Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Canadian Club. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tasting. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how you doing today? Fantastic. You know, I'm sitting here enjoying it, getting ready for football season, even closer so to close. it, everything. So close. Enjoying House of the Dragon even more, you know, it's... Everything's going right. I'm ready for football because I'm excited about the Bengals, but I'm also excited to kick your ass in fantasy football. Eh, debatable on that front. Uh, we'll, but we'll, we'll you know, see. we'll see. We'll see at the championship round. Yeah, but don't worry. As we do the uh, as we do the podcast over the next uh, this football season, we'll continue to update you guys on how badly I'm kicking Andy's butt. But with you know, but until we get to then, uh, I would say Andy, tell the folks everything they need to know about this very exciting whiskey we're doing today, Canadian Club. Of course, so this is a brand that um, is almost 170 years old, like 165-ish years old. Uh, it's founded in 1858 by a Hiram Walker in a Windsor, Canada, and it came out of um, his distillery in the same area. Um, and it was a brand that, you know, initially... Leading up to at least prohibition in America, was dubbed a um, club whiskey um, by you know jet, by the patrons of um, gentlemen's clubs in Canada and America, and um, you know it was something that like kind of because of this, and this is where the name ended up coming from, uh, at least in part between coming from primarily. Focusing their branding and marketing and everything to, you know, gentlemen's clubs. And then, you know, at the time, at least, uh, U.S. regulations requiring, you know, the country of origin to or the state of origin um, to be listed on the label for um, brands to be sold within the United States. Um, you know, they ended up labeling themselves as a Canadian club, as, Ooh, you know, the name is now synonymous with for the brand um and that was around the 1880s that they ended up doing that uh reestablishing their name under that as canadian club um and it was something that you know obviously you know as you heard last week they were established a lot earlier as a canadian whiskey brand than crown royal was um, it was something that they had received, you know, back in the 1880s or 1890s, I want to say, um, they had received a royal warrant from Queen Victoria of England, which is basically royal warrant was something for, uh, at least Britain that basically you're serving as a brand, either a product or a service to the royal court of Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously for a Canadian club, that being basically you're providing whiskey for or other alcohol for the royal court of England and Britain. Um, and being in an area where they were British-controlled Canada, that was a big thing for them because, you know, they were very, very dependent upon that to receive, like, those warrants or receive, you know, 
royal authorities to sell whiskey and everything. Um, and it was something that, you know, they, within her court, you know, they, they were able to provide, you know, her court with whiskey and everything like that, as well as, um, you know, other things within their services to the British monarchy and British court, um, royal court in their time. And it was something that, you know, they've continued to receive that, um, within British controlled Canada, at least in the times that they have it, um, you know, they've continued to receive that Royal warrant from King Edward the seventh, George the fifth, George the sixth and Queen Elizabeth the second. Uh, so they've continued to receive that royal warrant to provide basically kind of a royal welcome or royal specialty license to provide their whiskey to the uh, British court um, or British royal court monarchy, etc. Um, during the last 150-ish years. Um, and it was something that kind of you know, like I said, it was something that, like, these royal warrants basically allowed the brand, among other Canadian brands, eventually similar to uh, Crown Royal, to uh, gain a foothold in the Canadian market. Because it was basically something like, if you had that royal warrant, you had the right to sit here and basically say, listen, we are serving the royalty, so we're clearly doing something right, more or less, simplified. That's what they were allowed to say. Um, and they were, you know, a product... Um, it was a lot because they were allowed to provide the product, their products to the British monarchy, you know, their extended family, and the royal court directly. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, of course, Hiram Walker ended up passing around 1899, and he extended the brand... To his sons, who continued to pass along Canadian Club, um, selling it, distilling it, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it was something, you know, that they ended up, um, you know, being very heavily in the Canadian market before this. But then even during Prohibition, they were very prevalent in the United States, um... You know, to the point that literally um, several famous gangsters in the United States, I think including um, Al Capone, were famous for smuggling it in through, you know, Michigan or other very northern states, sure. smuggling it in through their known routes, whatever those routes were, from Canada into the United States to sell during Prohibition. Of course, post Prohibition in 1933. Well, then they were illegal to sell in the U.S. and they absolutely just exploded during that time. Um, and it was something that, like, during that time, post-1933, then they even grew for further because, of course, you had, well, you were a very great pre-Prohibition. You were smuggled in during Prohibition by Al Capone and other famous gangsters. But then, around the 1950s, actually... Canadian Club was mentioned as um, actually James Bond's drink of choice in um, the, I want to say either the film or 
and or uh, movie Doctor No. Hmm. Um, Canadian Club is also um, Don Draper's drink of choice in Mad Men. Okay, yeah. So Another like very, very big uh, cultural yeah tie-in. Yeah, so very clearly very like culturally a mm. lot of different references between you know Mad Men, James Bond, among other things like actual real life or culturally like a lot of times there um to be you know something that clearly is well desired to go after um and it was something that you know during kind of this time in the 19 late 1970s through literally about two months ago um in 2022 um was literally a very, very famous Canadian whiskey for something not even related to cultural history or anything that most Americans or other Europeans or anyone else would know about because they were there was a literally whiskey or liquor war <laughs> quote unquote to speak between uh, I want to say uh, Canada and Dan- Denmark hmm. um it was something that literally between 1978 and 2022, uh, June 2022, um, formally at least, that there was a kind of a soft war um, between the two countries over a um, an island near Greenland um, that they were fighting over, trying to decide a border between, um, because Greenland didn't want it, but then neither Canada nor Denmark could decide on, well, whose territory it really was, and, well, if it was their territory, or it wasn't their territory, or even if it was a mutual territory where the ter- where the um, border was, um, they couldn't decide where the border was or anything else along those lines. Um, basically, it was an island just, like, southeast of Greenland that... Neither Canada or Denmark could decide, well, officially whose island it was. Hmm. And so they kind of had a whiskey or liquor war over, so to speak, where um, between 1978 and 2022, June of this year, um, neither country could formally decide officially whose island it was, and even if it was a mutually shared island um, where the border was, they officially were kind of like fighting over at the territory of the island and officially they decided like it's a 50 50 split but up until this point the first bottle of liquor in general that was put on the island with a canadian flag was canadian club (laughs) (laughs) trying to claim this island so they had a kind of cold war-esque fight over the island where there was no official like actual weapons fight over the island to try and dispute their land claims over it. But it kind of looks like a funny war, if you will, over that island in the North Atlantic, Northeastern Atlantic, kind of south of it, Greenland, um, officially whose island it is. But they've officially divided it kind of 50-50, and that was... Canadian Club was kind of one of the first bottles, at least by Canada, used to fight 
this dispute over whose island it was. So again, just kind of another cultural fight there yeah. for Canadian club to um, gain their name in the at least the whiskey game, if you will. There. Heck yeah. Um, and it was something that you know they, um, you know, it was something that you know, like I said, the Canadians would leave typically Canadian club, um, along with their flag as a sign that they were the ones claiming the island. But, you know, it might be varying different products from Canadian Club that they all had. Again, all of them, as far as I know, are blended whiskeys um, within Canada. Um, All of them, you know, they have varying different products, similar to what Crown Royal, as we discussed last week, have. But they have their... um, 1858 premium extra aged and then they have their um i don't know the mashable on any of these to be specific so i don't know exactly what that looks like to say okay well here's how it should taste based upon the mashable at least but they have their um 1858 premium extra aged their uh canadian club reserve nine-year-old their small batch 12-year-old which is the one we'll be trying today. And then also there are 100% rye. As far as the like, standard products they had. They might have more, but those are like the standard products that you'll be able to find based upon their website and also like what you could probably find realistically within your own um, markets. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's uh, get... We've, like Andy said, we're trying the... Uh, the Canadian Club 12 years, so give that uh, you know a pour for yourself, and because uh, we've already got ours poured, and so we're gonna go ahead and uh, do the tasting. As always, we're gonna start with the nose. Very, to me, very smooth, very malty, um, kind of very reminiscent, almost of a like a finished. Bourbon and the fact that it's very just pungent and extra flavors that would not normally come off of a whiskey. Agreed. I'm like if you were to put it into a secondary cask or something like that. Like a leathery brown sugar is like the main note that I'm picking up on. on yeah. The, on the nose here. Let's yeah. Give, let's give it a taste. Cheers. Cheers. Pretty smooth. Oh, very smooth. Yeah. What's the proofage? Um. So it is a um. Eighty proof. Oh nice. So it's a forty percent um alcohol by volume whiskey, Canadian whiskey, aged uh twelve years. You know, in Canada. Um. Reminds and, me a little bit of uh, Crown Royal, like. Very um, some, similar, some yeah. Dark, some dark fruits. I mean, it reminds me a little bit more of the rye almost. Um, yeah. In some ways, very different than others. But I'm getting some dark fruits. I'm getting like a little bit of molasses. Yeah, I'm getting a very, very... much other than that, though. Yeah, I'm getting a very, very dark fruit, maybe a little bit of molasses, like brown sugar, something like that, notes on it. At least as far as the Canadian whiskey can taste those notes. Yeah. Um, so let me read what they're... Like, 
what their label says for the uh, Canadian Club Classic. Their uh, blended Canadian whiskey aged 12 years, which is, like I said, the one we're trying. Um, so it's aged for 12 years charred in um, oak bourbon barrels. Canadian Club Classic delivers full aromas of vanilla, mellow wood and spice with hints of soft butterscotch. So I definitely get those flavors, maybe of butterscotch, maybe of the vanilla, but definitely kind of like very ancillary notes of like dark fruit or um, molasses notes, something along those lines of it. Uh, that's definitely very much what I get of it. Just a very, very rich note there for it to taste on both the nose and the palate. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, uh, listen to, and share every episode of Distilled Discussions on your social media pages. Uh, Please tell your friends about us. Follow us on our social media pages. We really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey, and don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.